Hello, hello. Happy Sunday. I hope everyone is doing well out there. And um, welcome to another episode of Space and Time. This one's going to be quick. And um, so this one's called Two Paychecks and a Funeral. And um, it's a play off of uh, a favorite movie of mine. Uh, one of my favorite movies, um, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And uh, I guess it's one of my favorites just because of like one part, um, you know, towards the end when someone ends up passing away and, um, you know, they have this, um, this person, you know, delivers a beautiful eulogy to them. And, um, yeah. So just because of that, if y'all haven't seen it, please check it out. Um, but yeah, so, um, yesterday I attended a funeral and, um, one of my dear friends, my friend Alex and, um, yeah, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, we'll end with that. So the two paychecks, where does that come from? Um, that actually comes from, um, my younger sister started working, um, my 17 year old sister and, um, they gave her two paychecks and, you know, my mom was like, oh, you gotta take her to do this and do that. And, um, so then at first I was like, well, I was just going to let her try to like figure it out. But then the more I thought about it and I've thought about this a lot and I've spoken about this and I said, you know, again, if somebody would have just gone back from when I started working under the table, at like 13, and if someone would have said, Hey, take $10 out of like every check, even as I got older and everything like that. But just think about that. Everyone who's out there, like think about how long you've been working 10, 15, 20 plus years. And if you would have just taken $10 out of every check and put it aside, what that, you know, stockpile would look like today. So for me, I think, you know, I, I take a very active approach, um, working in finance. I take a very active approach in my, you know, my family's life and, and what they do with, um, their money kind of guiding them a little bit. And, um, lucky for me that, you know, I've, I've made good choices and they've seen it. And, um, so they trust me a lot. And, um, so I'm really appreciative of that. You know, sometimes we just expect trust just because of our proximity to people, but that's not the case. You know, we should, um, we should earn that. And I feel like I've earned it. And I feel like in the beginning when I had a lot of plans about what I wanted to do and all of these, um, my track record before that, you know, with things not working out and this and that, and, you know, you have people that want to, you know, believe in you, but they're like, well, you know, this one didn't work out. That one didn't work out. But, um, you know, at some point when I really, you know, put all the ducks in a row and things, um, really kind of took off and, uh, you know, my, my mom and my sister, especially, um, you know, have tremendous faith in me. And, um, I actually want to give a shout out to my sister, uh, Sa Samantha, she's in North Carolina and, um, she's doing her preceptorship at Duke and, um, she actually got offered a job there. So she was home for, um, she was home for the holiday. Um, I was gonna say the holidays, but it was just a holiday and, um, and, uh, yeah. So I just want to say congratulations and we love you kid. And, um, yeah, so. So my sister getting the two paychecks, you know, afterwards, when I realized I was like, nah, I'm like, I, I want them to, I always tell them, I was like, I want y'all to be better at me at every stage. And, um, so for me, it was just like, you know, sat her down and, 
you know, explain to her certain things. And, uh, you know, my sister's really smart, both of them. And, um, and she grasps things, um, quick. So me showing her what her money could do over time and everything like that. And that was something that really, you know, certain things that I showed her, I saw her eyes kind of like, you know, get wide. And, um, that was really cool to see. And, uh, we, we deposited one, we deposited one check in, um, her brokerage account that I opened up a while ago for her. Um, you know, if you're under 18, you cannot own stocks, mutual funds, or other financial assets outright. It has to be done with supervision under a custodial account, which is what I have with her. And, um, yeah, so we deposited one check there. And then the other one, we just kind of broke up. I bought some digital assets for her. And, um, I also, um, what else did we do? Yeah, I bought some digital assets for her. I, you know, we talked about how much money she needs over the course of like a week or two. Um, you know, the things that she wants to do. And, um, <laughs> she told me she wanted a certain amount and I'm like, what do you, what do you need that for? Like, you know what I mean? How much is bubble gum and orange juice <laughs> at your age cost? You know what I mean? I know it costs inflation and everything's gone up, but, um, but yeah, but it, you know, make it interactive and also show them a, a certain level of respect. You know what I mean? She is um, not a baby. Um, she's not an adult, but she's not a baby also. So I think it's important that, you know, you let them know that they have a certain level of say in their life. You know, she earned this money. Um, now it's just up to me to help her and to guide her, you know, so she is in a far better position. You know, um, I told her something. I was like, you know, I was like, I want you to be a millionaire by the time like you're like 30. And I didn't laugh. I wasn't smiling or anything like that. But she started like laughing and smiling. And I said, what? And she said nothing. She was like, because I know you're dead serious. And I was like, I absolutely am. Um, but yeah, so, you know, make lofty goals. You know, me saying, hey, I want you to be a millionaire by 30. Hey, what if what if it doesn't happen? You know, but what if she ends up a little bit below that? that's still a great consolation prize. You know what I mean? And, um, I just encourage people to take an active approach in your family's life. Um, those that you're close with, those that are worth it and, uh, help them, you know, because we all have information that someone else needs. They have information that we need. And, um, you know, that's, one of the biggest assets that we have going for ourselves is the exchange of information, you know? So, yeah. So that's where the two paychecks come from. Um, and as far as the funeral, like I said, uh, my friend Alex's father passed away recently and, um, and, you know, the funeral was had yesterday and the funeral was actually had where my grandmother is buried. And, um, which I thought was really cool, um, because, you know, with certain people that you've been, you know, with certain kinfolk, when you have other layers of connection, it feels even better when something else is added on top of that. So we got there, it was cold. The two previous days were actually pretty nice. And I was like, of course, today's going to be like 30 degrees. And, um, so we went to the site and, you know, everyone gathered up and uh, words were shared by the person um, kind of, you know, overseeing everything. And they asked if anyone had words to say. 
And the first time they asked that, I didn't say anything. I was like, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say anything. Um, and then the second time they asked, even though I wanted to though. And then the second time they asked, I was like, man, like, you know, I, I told my friend later, I said, you know, in moments like that, I'm, I'm just trying to do things that I normally wouldn't do because in small personal settings, you know, I'm very forthcoming, um, vocally and everything, but I know at times in big settings, historically, I'll just kind of like play the back a lot of times and just, you know, observe before I, you know, decide to say something. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I spoke, I spoke about him and, um, some of the similarities that I saw between their relationship and he and my, me and my father's relationship. And, um, yeah, because it's different, right. You know, when we have our own parents, sometimes, you know, they can get along with one of our friends or a family member, uh, sometimes better than us, especially at a certain age. Right. I feel like there are times where, you know, they don't know how to, how, they don't know how to reach you. They don't know how to communicate with you, especially during the um, teenage years. And, um, he and I had a really good relationship, you know, um, just kind of joking around and, you know, doing a small talk and stuff like that. But it was a side of, you know, him that Alex didn't know being her child, you know what I mean? And, um, and I can, I can understand that. I can relate to that. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I just thought it was important for me to say a few words about him and her. And, um, yeah, so, I appreciate the space that was made for me to do that. And, um, you know, actually I was in the car with, um, Alex's friend after, um, Olivia. Um, I met a few of her friends yesterday whom I, I hadn't known some family members and, um, Olivia thanked me for the words that I shared. And she said that it was actually the first time where she started shedding a tear. It was when I spoke. Um, and it's always moments like that where I'm like, you know what, keep doing more of the things that you feel those moments where you're like, ah, I don't know if I should, you know, I always get confirmation like that, that it's like, you know, you, you did the right thing and keep doing, uh, keep listening to your instincts and your gut, you know? So, um, yeah. So I'd like to send a formal, formal rest in peace to, Alejandro Hinojosa, um, may you have a peaceful transition and, um, you know, say hello to the ancestors for us. But it was actually really cool because, you know, I'm used to funerals being only one way, which is a lot of crying, a lot of weeping, um, which is justified. But, you know, what about the celebration of the person's life, you know? Um, we do what we're accustomed to until we question that or become privy to other customs and then question what we've done. Um, you know, so for me, you know, I, at some point I became like a fascinated with certain cultures that celebrate death, you know, um, you know, funerals, depending on where you are, can be very, very different. You know, and if you are not accustomed to a certain culture, you know, to you, we always feel like, oh, what we're doing is right. But, um, but yeah, I think it's important at times to just, um, 
acknowledge what other people are doing and, and be like, hey, maybe we can borrow this a little bit. Um, I don't know how correct this is, this is, but uh, I came, came across this list, seven cultures that celebrate death. Um, Mexico, Dia de los Muertos, uh, Ghana, Fantasy Coffins. Um, another culture that celebrates death is uh, community, uh, in communities is Ghana, Africa, Ghana, Fantasy Coffins are a way to honor the life and profession of uh, loved ones who have passed away. These coffins are constructed to represent the profession that the individuals held during their lifetime from an airplane coffin for a deceased pilot to a truck shaped coffin for a driver. These fantasy coffins leave plenty of room for imagination. That's pretty cool. Um, Madagascar, um, Fam Famadihana. Uh, Famadihana is a celebration of the dead that happens every five to seven years in Madagascar. Uh, Famadihana means the turning of the bones and is a time when deceased loved ones are unearthed and their burial clothes are removed and replaced with fresh shrouds. The celebration exists so that the family members can meet their deceased relatives. It is also a time for family members who knew their ancestors to share memories and stories in their honor. That's pretty cool. Um, let me see. In Bali, something is called Ngaben. Um, in Bali, death is a time of celebration because it is believed to be the soul's entry into reincarnation. Balinese people believe the body to have no significance except for providing a shell or temporary dwelling place for the soul. In Gaben is a cremation ceremony where family members and friends will gather for their loved one's cremation. In Gaben ceremonies are a time without weeping and mourning because families believe their loved one has returned to God. That's really beautiful. All right, what's the next one here? New Orleans. Um, I think this one's pretty, pretty famous. A lot of people know about the jazz funeral in New Orleans. Uh, while many death celebrations occur on interna uh, international soil, communities in New Orleans, Louisiana, know a thing or two about celebrating death. The jazz funeral is a New Orleans tradition that celebrates life. Known as the birthplace of jazz, New Orleans is known for parades and celebration that include lively music and dancing. Jazz funerals gained popularity in the 19th century as funeral attendees engage in a procession. Mourners would follow a jazz band to the church or funeral location as the band played somber music. After the ceremony, the music would change as the band began to play more lively and upbeat jazz music. The upbeat music at the close of the ceremony is an intentional celebration of the person's life. These ceremonies encapsulate the conflicting emotions that arise when we lose a remarkable loved one. Family members and friends grieve the loss of those they love while celebrating the life and the ways they impacted those around them. And um, we have one in China, um, King, King Ming. Uh, I don't think I'm saying that right, but y'all get the idea, is known as a tomb sweeping day, a day dedicated to an ancestral worship. Families visit the tombs of their deceased family members to bring food, drinks, and money as offerings. Families may even cultivate new soil for their ancestors' graves, as well as weep the tomb, as well as sweep the tomb and remove weeds. This festival typically involves the use of willow tree branches to ward off evil spirits. Families will place these branches on gates or their front doors 
to protect them from spirits they believe may be wandering during the festivals. During the festival, families may also plant willow trees by their ancestors' graves. Kite flying is another custom that is important to the King Ming celebration. Families will fly kites during the day and into the evening. Often lanterns are even tied to kites to illuminate the night sky. That's pretty cool. And uh, the last one we have on this list is Japan, um, the Oban Festival. Similar to King Ming, the Oban Festival is a time to pay respect to the dead and honor ancestral spirits. The Oban Festival is a three-day celebration that has been observed for over 500 years. The Oban Festival originated from a Buddhist myth that told of a disciple of Buddha who was able to free his deceased mother from anguish in the afterlife by offering sacrifices. During this three-day festival, it is believed that the spirits of the ancestors return to reunite with the living. During Oban, families will visit their ancestors' graves to tidy as well as offer food and drinks and drink sacrifices. They will also participate in various celebratory acts such as attending carnivals and eating festival foods. Traditional dances are also performed to the sound of taiko drums. I love taiko drums. All right. Uh, so wrapping up, they say, while death is a universal experience for humanity, the ways in which we respond to death may vary based on cultural or religious beliefs. Um, there exists a long list of cultures across the world that celebrate death. This list here being just a few for many around the world, death represents a passage from this life to the next. It is also seen as an opportunity to celebrate the life of a deceased loved one. No matter how you choose to, cel to celebrate your loved one's remarkable life, honoring their memory can be an important aspect of your healing journey. I think that was um, really well said. You know, um, we later got together at one of our friends home and talked and laughed um, and ate and drank and drank and, and, and lived exactly what, you know, um, what you're supposed to do at a funeral. The remembrance that this is all a gift and can be snatched at any given moment. So use and respect the time that you're given, you know, more serendipity. <laughs> I know the last episode was called a life of serendipity. Um, my friend, Alex's dad, he was, um, he was buried. And, um, I remember after, or before thinking, you know, um, I'm going to go see my grandmother um, afterwards because, you know, her anniversary is actually tomorrow. And um, I thought yesterday was the 26th and it was today, but it's actually tomorrow. And um, so there are some areas that look very similar. And I remember thinking, well, let me just orient myself and then I can find her gravesite. And um, and then I started looking around and I was like, wait, and I didn't go too far. Um, you know, I just went about like 10, 20 feet and I saw my grandmother's grave and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, you know, and then when I was telling everybody else and my friend Isha took two roses and, and, and put it there, um, you know, and when I told Alex later, she was very, she was incredulous about it. She was like, this is nuts. Um, so you know, yeah, that was pretty crazy. You know, life gives you signs every day. Sometimes they are big and obvious and other times they're small and negligent. You know, either way, stay vigilant, um, pay attention to them. 
Um, I have a, you know, I have such an appreciation for the people in my life right now. Um, I wish everyone so much good. And I uh, just want to say, you know, thank you for, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> yeah. Just a scar, that's what they call